Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, yeah. otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to yeah. that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. When you adopt a child from another country, how important is it to be able to trace their birth family? The federal government has put it low on their list of priorities as it plans to end funding of the Intercountry Adoption Tracing and Reunification Service that's provided by International Social Service Australia. Imagine trying to trace a birth family with no support, no understanding of the process. I wouldn't know where to start. Joining me to talk about the potential impact these restrictions will have on families is Tina Scheel. She's a mum who's used the Intercountry Adoption Tracing and Reunification Service to help track down her daughter's birth mother in Thailand at the start of this year. Hi, Tina. How Hi. are you? This, that's so fresh just at the beginning of this year. What an experience. It is. It was an amazing experience. Um, And so just addressing that first question, how important is it? It's vitally important. And as a matter of fact, part of the training that you go through when you approach the department to adopt a child, whether it be a domestic adoption or an inter-country adoption, is they reiterate the importance of connection with birth family. That's always, it's, it's vital in the child's understanding of who they are, where they come from, their sense of belonging. Now, it's also the understanding too that in some situations when you do adopt from another country, there is the possibility you'll never get that opportunity to meet the birth parents. But they they hammer it into you that it it's an important process for the child to understand and for you to understand as a family. So as much information as you can gather on the birth family, if it's um, just knowing the village that they're born in, but if you can get a photo of the birth mother or some understanding of where the child um, what, where the child's positioned in the family, that's vital for their development and their sense of understanding as they grow and they mature. Um, we decided to do it early in our child's life. Um, Patchery, our daughter, is seven, about to turn eight. Um, we've always had a photo of her birth mum, so she has had that connection. We talk about her birth mum all the time, um, so we've always known that it's going to be something um, close to us that we could do. There is varying um, opinion on when you should tr- start that, that initial search. Some parents feel that they would like to wait till their child's a bit older, a bit, bit more ready to kind of understand the situation. The current thinking around it, um, and this is from talking to social workers and the um, international social services, we're really good at this. So they advocate for you to start it as early as possible because what that does, it normalises it in the child's life. So there's less anxiety around meeting birth family because when they're young, it's just like another adventure. And if you have talked about it openly and honestly, they're quite excited about it. There might be nervousness and trepidation. And of course, it's going to be different for every child and their personality. But with our daughter, she was really ready and receptive and open to meeting her birth family. So it was a perfect time for us. And you mentioned you've always had a photo of her mother. Did that mean when you when you were going through the initial adoption process that you did have access to her biological history? Because I'm imagining that um, sometimes, as you mentioned, the child might come with limited information. And particularly if it's from another country, it sounds like quite... a. I, it just sounds like a really difficult process to go through to find where they are. 
Mm, yep, that's that's correct. All of the children come with different storios, dif- different scenarios, different stories. We were lucky in that we were our um, our daughter was relinquished, so we did have information about her birth mother. But there is often the occasion where a child is abandoned and there's nothing, there's no information, and that's a much more difficult search. For us, it wasn't as difficult because we had the village where she was born, we had the name of her birth mother, so it was actually happened quite fast for us. It was it was. Quite Quite, quite amazing. I was kind of like astounded how quickly it did happen. I was expecting to wait a few months and we virtually got a call within a couple of weeks. But International Social Services was a vital part of that search. Um, without them, it would have been a lot more difficult. And as you said in your opening, I mean, how do you go about doing it? It is such an enormous task. So I was so grateful for having their assistance. And all the way through the process, we felt supported um, by professionals that understood what we were going through, not only from our um perspective, but also from the birth family's perspective, because we wanted to approach this with sensitivity. We didn't know what her situation was like now. We didn't want to just enter into her life. Hello, you know, we're here. We needed that to be done um, in a sensitive manner. And the social worker in Thailand was magnificent. She had everyone's best interests at heart, and she knew all the complexities around it. She went out to the village first and met with um, Patri's birth mother and made sure that it was as confident. Confidential as it, as it can be because she came from a rural village where everyone knows everyone's business. Um, she had to contact the elders first and it was just, it was brilliant. And she, we arrived in Thailand and she escorted us there with an assistant and a driver. She acted as interpreter, which as you said... Our Thai is very little, nit noi, which is like little, us speak a little Thai. Um, we do try and learn, you know, more and more as we go over there. I mean, we, we visit Thailand every year because it's really important to keep connected to your child's culture. And that's also something you learn in the education process when you apply to adopt internationally. So, yeah, so it was an amazing experience. And what was, what was your daughter's um, response to meeting her birth parent? What did you witness during that trip this at the beginning of this year? Well, she was very overwhelmed with it all. She loved the attention. She was like, I think the most emotional moment for me was when I saw that when we arrived, there was um, her grandfather was there, which was amazing, and her auntie, but her birth mother had, for some reason, run off down the hill to the village. So she wasn't there. So we all kind of piled out of this van and we were all waiting. And then from a distance, I saw this woman running up the street towards us and it was Patrick's birth mother. And that was just such an emotional moment for me. So I think... You have to be prepared for a a varying kind of scenario because each family is going to be individual and you don't really know what you're going to be confronted with when you arrive. You're hoping that it's going to be um, a positive experience. And the social worker is there and she kept telling us that she's there for patchery. So it was all about the child's welfare, which was brilliant because that was her concern. Um, so she was like our safety net. And if anything was being said, you know, she could sensitivity, sen- you know, with sensitivity handle the situation. Um, but Patry did have a positive experience. Look, it wasn't without its challenges. I'm not going to lie. It's not all rosy because, you know, no child is is you know, given up for adoption that comes from um, a happy situation. There's always going to be disadvantage. There's always going to be sadness and grief. But the idea that we could 
alleviate this mother's anxiety and sadness and say, you know, here is your daughter. We love her. She's having a great life. I felt that that was something I owed to her and I really wanted for her to meet her daughter and kind of understand where she is. So she didn't have that anxiety about wondering. Like I I kind of felt if I had, you know, relinquished a child, well, how would I feel? So I kind of put myself in her situation and it was important for both of them. So for Patchery and for her mother that that reunification happened. And it was great because we actually met her great aunt too, who was 94 years old. Holy moly. So that was amazing. So we we (laughs) did meet a number of family members at the one time. And, I mean, the other thing that I think about with Patchery is you said that she's seven. And in a way, that's that's a lot for a seven-year-old to process, isn't it? And often when children um, are going through big emotions or processing big emotions, they can act in ways that is um, can be a bit challenging. You know, you can get tantrums, you can get all those sorts of things. Did that, did that happen for Patchery at all when she was dealing with all of this? No, not really, but we um, have a really easygoing child. She just takes everything in her stride. She's always happy. She's not a tantrum thrower. So that is a very common thing to happen, though, and I have heard it in the adoption community. Um, Kids will act out because they're feeling like deep emotion and they start to feel the whole issue and sadness around being relinquished as a child, um, that abandonment and everything. So you do have to be prepared to kind of um, accept that that's going to be part part of the journey. We didn't have that with Patchery, although when we got home a few weeks later, the very first time I've ever heard this from her mouth, she turned to me and she said, oh, so you're not my real mum then. And that's the very first time. And it really hit me. It did. I was like, my heart was like, oh. But I kind of said, well, you know, I am your real mum because I take care of you every day and I love you and this, I do everything that, you know, a real mum. But I'm not your first mummy, you know, because she does refer to um, her Thai mother. Sometimes it's my Thai mummy or my birth mummy or my first mum. So we have that language. But never, like I've never not, like the whole real mum thing hasn't come up yet oh, until wow. that. And that, that was because she was processing what was going on and she was really thinking deeply about it. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Tina Scheel um, about the her experience going back to her adopted daughter's homeland of Thailand and finding her birth mother, which was possible through the Intercountry Adoption Tracing and Reunification Service, which is provided by the International Social Service in Australia. And um, talking about how important it is for this connection to happen, particularly because um, apparently there are funding cuts that are about to happen to this particular service of tracing back a family. So we know how important that service is. And I just want to take us a, a little bit of a step back to why you decided to adopt in the first place. What you said then when she said to you, you're not my real mummy, are you? Feels to me that if you go into adoption, you have to be pretty damn strong in yourself and quite emotionally evolved to be able to connect with, love and nurture a child that has such a journey for themselves in front of them. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I do. Um, There is kind of that like misnomer around adoption that love is enough. Like if I love a child enough, everything's going to be rosy and okay. You know, I kind of don't feel that that's true 
true. I think you do have to be educated. You do have to be aware of what you're going to be dealing with. That each child is going to come with their own particular issues. Um, as I said, they've they haven't come from a place of happiness. They've they've come from a place of disadvantage. A lot of time poverty. A lot of time abuse. Um, and that is going to be a part of who they are and their makeup. And it's your it's your responsibility as a parent to navigate that and to provide them with the best possible opportunities for working through that because that's part of who they are but you don't want it to be the defining nature of that that's not the definitive thing that defines them as a human being it's a part of their makeup but there's a lot more so yeah it's a big responsibility it's it's an an awesome thing to do. I mean, I've met so many other adoptive parents through this journey. We're a tight community. We have a camp every year. Um, We're really, really committed to um, ensuring that our children are proud of where they come from, are accepting of their culture. We love their culture. I kind of say it's it's not just adopting a child, it's adopting a a culture as well, because you you have to be the model for that. You have to show them that they're beautiful and where they come from is beautiful. So it is, it is a big responsibility. It comes with challenges, but it also comes with so much happiness and so much love. We went through this process because uh, my partner and I, we went through 10 IVF rounds, a lot, enormous. I know, and I was only, well, I say only, I was 35 when we were doing that IVF and I thought, well, that's not too old. You know? No. Surely it's going to happen, but it didn't, you know, life's mysteries can't control birth and death is kind of my little saying. Um, It's made me learn so much about myself as well and so much about the world and society. So it has been a process that I think that I was destined to take this journey. And uh, yeah, so we, we went down that process. First of all, we were in China and then the China program slowed right down because they stopped their one child policy which is a great thing I'm not <laughs> saying it's I'm saying it's you know it's a bad thing it's it's good when countries can domestically find places for their own children that's always been the priority my daughter in particular for specific issues wasn't a candidate for domestic adoption so it was always like felt that she would be geared toward an international adoption. Um, The countries that Australia do have relationships with are very, they're very highly rule orientated. They're, you know, Australia is very particular about child trafficking. And so the countries they choose to deal with are very highly ethical. So I think that's one really good thing, which distinguishes us from say, I don't want to, you know, bag out the United States, but they have a lot more lenient rules in terms of adoption. So there's a lot more, you know, dodgy operations that happen there. But I think Australia is one of the most ethical countries that you can adopt through. And it sounds like you did get a lot of support through the ISS in terms of um, what you were going into. I mean, how important is that kind of support when you're adopting from another country? Well, as I said, they because the children do come with challenges, it's really vital that you have post-adoption support, not just through family tracing, which is ISS, but also through other things like um, counselling services to understand it, uh, what that child's going through. So you really need that that support. And I don't actually think that Australia does that particular end of it very well. There's not a lot of support around. The the parental groups support each other. I think that's where we get the most amount of support from. But I think that they could lift their game. And this taking away the funding is really disappointing. Yeah, Very disappointing because that's one thing 
when it first um, was announced that they were going to be investing in this kind of reunification process, it was applauded by the adoption community. It was a fantastic thing. And it only lasted for a couple of years and now they've taken it away. So it is really disappointing because it was a great service. And I feel really sad that other parents that might want to go down this track are now going to find it much, much more difficult to do. And to connect with the family. Tina, it's such an interesting story. Thank you so much for coming in and speaking with us. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. That was Tina Scheel. And for more information on the funding cuts and how they will affect inter-country adoption resources, head to Kindling Conversation on our website for links. That's kindling.com.au. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au.